Thanks for tuning in to the Drive On Podcast, where we're focused on giving hope and strength to the entire military community. Whether you're a veteran, active duty, guard, reserve, or a family member, this podcast will share inspirational stories and resources that are useful to you. I'm your host, Scott Lucio, and now let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Drive On Podcast. Today, my guest is Ashley Leppert. Ashley is a Coast Guard veteran who joined me on the podcast last year in episode 106. And now she's back today, and I can't believe it, but it's been almost 100 episodes since she was last on. This is episode 199. Ashley is the is also the author of the book, The Hurricane Within, which I was honored to be able to provide an endorsement for, uh, which we'll get into the book and more about that type of stuff in, in just a bit. But first, I want to welcome you back to the show, Ashley. Welcome back. Thank you, Scott. It's awesome to be back. Like you said, it's crazy to believe it's already been a year since we last spoke. I know it. It's been pretty wild and, and time kind of flies when you're having fun, I guess. Yeah. So last time we talked about your participation in the, the Hurricane Harvey rescues and how you were invited to the State of the Union by Pe- President Trump. And all of that is such an incredible experience, I think. So for the listeners uh, out there, I want you to go check out that episode. Again, it's episode 106 titled The Hurricane Within. Go check out that episode so you can hear all of the great details uh, about that. I I don't want to have a repeat of that episode. Ashley has a lot more to to talk about and tell us about in in this episode. So go check that one out before you get into this episode or even after. Uh, Either way, you'll be able to get a lot out of it. Why don't you, for the listeners who maybe haven't heard that previous episode and aren't familiar with you, can you just give us a quick little bit of background on on who you are and things like that. Sure, absolutely. So again, my name is Ashley Leppert, and I proudly served as a helicopter flight mechanic and rescue crew member in the United States Coast Guard for 14 years prior to medically retiring. Some of my significant rescues include while I was stationed in New Orleans, I was one of the very first helicopter crews out during Hurricane Harvey. And of course, anybody who knows any bit about Hurricane Harvey understands the devastation there. A ton of rescues and just did the mission that we had trained so much to complete. And because of our crew's bravery, President Trump did invite me to his first State of the Union address, which I was completely honored to be the face of not only our crews, but the entire Coast Guard for all our um, efforts and rescues during that time. So that's just a little bit of a quick nutshell about that portion of my life. And since then, I've just been trying to share my personal story and just help others overcome personal issues in their own life. And that's pretty much what we're trying to do on this podcast. So, I mean, that's really the the gist of it here is I'm really trying to help other people overcome whatever the issues are, whether it's PTSD or substance abuse or homelessness or things, anything that under the sun that, that could be affecting people. I want to touch on those things. And, and so having people like yourself on who you served in the Coast Guard and, you know, the, the Coast Guard kind of gets a, a little bit of a bad rap in the, the military community, all, all in fun. We're not, we, no one's hating on the Coast Guard, but it's looked at as almost an afterthought. When you, you think of the military, you think of the Army and the Marines, the Navy. Yeah, I guess we could throw in the Air Force too. But then the, the Coast Guard doesn't, doesn't typically get thought of at first. It's like that, oh yeah, by the way, and, and we have a Coast Guard too, uh, kind of thing. And so a lot of times I don't know that people even recognize the fact that you know, some of the stuff that you do is pretty intense. We talked last time about the the Hurricane Harvey rescue efforts. And I was looking back at that episode, listening to it the other day as I was pre- preparing for this episode. And you were talking about 
all the people who are stranded on their roofs and there were deceased animals floating in the water and, and things like that. Uh, like that's, I don't know, to me, that would be pretty traumatic. Um, you, you know, know Scott, so- it really, yeah, it really was. And honestly, that was one of the main goals that I had with sharing my book is if the only thing that was taken from that was that the general public can learn a little bit more about Coast Guard, particularly Coast Guard aviation, because we are a small little sector. I was like, if that's the only thing that people can take away is to learn a little bit more then job well done. <laughs> well, you know, I absolutely learned some things from reading your book, that's because lovely. I know like when you watch the news and you see things like hurricane rescues and, and things like that, sometimes you see the helicopters flying. Sometimes you see that there's boats and things like that that are going by, but they don't go into the story, into the detail like you did. You went into like, this is what we did. This is how we, we lived for that period of time. This is the long hours, the flying in horrible conditions. In most other circumstances, the flight would be probably grounded because of how bad the, the conditions were, right? So I got to ask, and I have to wonder, what was that experience like for you as far as the trauma of seeing all the things that you saw going out, flying in these dangerous conditions, all of that traumatic experience, what was it like afterwards, the the aftermath and, and the coping with that in the first few days, weeks, months, and even now years later, what was that all like for you? Truthfully, Scott, in those moments, and I'm sure you can relate to from all your deployment history and stuff like that, in the moment, we are hardwired and trained to do the mission, get the mission done. You're very uh, susceptible to just quickly compartmentalizing any you know, emotional things that you're going through, any triggers that you're dealing with. None of that is a factor. The only thing that our, our mind is focused on is getting the job done and saving lives or defeating the enemy or whatever the case may be. So during those days, it was sort of uh, robotic. It was complete the mission try to get some sort of rest, eat some sort of food, and then get right back at it. There was just nonstop. It was sensory overload, honestly, is the best way for me to put it. It was loud noises. You have weather, you have nonstop traumatic things that you're witnessing, and it's go, 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 go. So shortly after getting home from the hurricane stuff, and honestly, in those moments, while it was happening, I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, cool, we're doing the mission. This is great. We're getting things done. Honestly, for me personally, it wasn't until I got home and I realized the decompression level that I was going through. And I literally remember just wanting to sit in my house for days with no TV on, no music. I really just wanted to be in silence. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I really just needed to take that time to really offload all of that stuff that I had been compartmentalizing for uh, many days out there. I think I did the right thing initially. I think still to this day, remnants of a little bit of what I went through. Nothing terrible. I've, I've come a long way. Just being able to talk helped me cathartically process that a lot better. But I still have my nightmares. I still d- deal with triggers. Even un- unknowingly, I'll have a trigger and be like, why am I feeling this way? And be like, oh, that's why it all kind of makes sense when you can sit there and think about it. But really, I just, I find a lot of peace in using that amazing situation and using that platform just to be able to open up and share not only about the hurricane, but about my personal life just to help others. So they know that they're not alone and trauma looks different for everybody. And that was a big, important thing for me to share with my story. Yeah, it does. And, and I like the perspective that you just shared, how you were able to take that amazing experience, right? It, it was, it wasn't a great experience in terms of all the destruction and and damage and loss of life and all that stuff that 
took place, but you're still able to see how you're able to use that experience to now go out and help other people and make an impact in the world where other people, like just because you experience something overly traumatic doesn't mean that, okay, boom, life is good for everyone else from now to the end of time. There's always going to be people who are suffering through certain things. And here you are going out and, and making the best of the, the bad situation. And I, I think that's a really refreshing way to, to look at it. Thank you. Yeah. Honestly, Scott, people can take a situation, whether it's good, bad, and it's all about how you perceive it and how you handle it. I think everybody in life can look around at certain situations and say, woe is me. This is sad. I'm depressed. Or they can say, wow, it could have been a lot worse. I'm still alive. The things that we did out there were amazing. And it's all about perspective. And it would be a missed opportunity for me personally, if I didn't share my story, because I know that I was put in that position for a reason. And I'm just trying to make the world a brighter place one person at a time. Right. And you said that you were put in that position for a reason. And that that leads me into kind of the next thing I wanted to touch on was your faith, which is something that you talked about in the book quite a bit, actually. So what role did your faith play in the, the whole coping process or even just getting through that situation to begin with? Uh, did that play a, a significant role for you? Honestly, Scott, I don't think if it weren't for my foundation of faith that I would have gotten through things as easily as I did. And I'm not saying easily, but easier. I knew that God would get me through it. And I'm not saying that in like a religious text, like, oh, no, like I I know God intimately. I've seen him pull me from the disasters I've been through. I've witnessed my prayers become true. I've watched miracles happen in my life. and And this is just a pure testimony. It's not just like, oh, there's a God and we should all believe him. No, like if, if you give him your life, if you trust in Jesus, you will literally watch the miracles unfold. And again, I think it would be a disservice to the people that I love so much, not only in my community, but in the country and in the world, if I didn't share that. Um, because unfortunately, I'm sure as you've seen through your life that there is religious people that ruin it for everybody. You don't have to jump through a million hoops. You don't have to say a million Hail Marys. It really is as simple as having the faith to trust in our Savior and just sitting back and watching like, wow, this is reality. He really is intimately connected in my life and wants the best for me. And it's just it's a beautiful thing. And I just want to get on a mountaintop and shout it to the world, to, to be honest with you. Well, and that's why I wanted to ask the question too, because like you said, I, you know, faith looks different for everybody. And yeah. uh, some people have a similar relationship like you have with, with God and, and with their faith and their religion, but other people are maybe a little more cynical or they just have no uh, belief whatsoever in any kind of higher powers. And I, I think when you have a person like yourself who has been through, quite frankly, you walk through hell or flew through hell, I suppose in this case, right? But, uh, and you come out the other side still with that faith, knowing that there is a God and not only is there a God, but God does some incredible things. It's pretty powerful to me to, to say, okay, well, maybe there's something to this for those people who may be questioning or are not so sure about uh, their, their beliefs. So that was important to me to get that in that perspective from you as well. 
Thank you. Thank you for giving me opportunity to share that too. I think sometimes people get nervous talking about religion and talking about faith, but I think if we look at it from the other angle, we can all agree looking around the world that there is so much evil happening right now, right? And if we look at it from that perspective, to know that there's a beautiful, complete opposite of pure goodness through God, that is such a comforting feeling to know that we do have purpose here and that there is a plan for us and that no matter the darkest of days that Jesus is there to lift us up and to pull us through those tough times. Absolutely. And there was a time, so when I was in Afghanistan, my brother was killed and that's what I write about in my book, that I was standing there, I was taking a shower, I was standing there by myself and I remember just yelling out, my brother's name was Stephen. I remember yelling out, why, Stephen, why? And it wasn't like I was kind of crazy thinking that my brother was there to answer me or anything like that. But I was calling out to God, asking him, why did he think that now was the time for my brother to, to leave us? And this incredible calm feeling came over me. And this was like the day that my brother was killed. So this was, it was still raw, very fresh. And this incredible calm feeling came over me that basically was like, no matter what the answer is, it's not going to be okay with me. I, I just have to be okay knowing that God's plan is good and that it's for something bigger and better. And I just have to get okay with that. And it was a strange, calm feeling that just came over me almost instantaneously. It was just right in that moment that I was like, I just have to be okay with it. And I only share that as another testament to how powerful that faith could be. And for the people out there who are, are questioning or, or are on the fence about their own relationship with God, maybe explore that a little bit more because it does work in some pretty powerful ways. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And honestly, knowing God and reading his word, I mean, he gives us the whole story beginning to end. And he says in there, he is close to the brokenhearted. If you seek him, you will find him. And there's been plenty of times, just like you, Scott, in such a tragic moment where I've cried out and I've been mad at God. And I've been like, why is this happening? And he always comes through and he reminds me that there's something bigger. There is a bigger picture. And it's not just about my situation in that moment it's one day when we do die we will understand his glorious plan and just to take peace in that really it's a peace that surpasses understanding it really is right. and i remember in your book as well and thank you for sharing that in your little excerpt too it was courageous for you to share that nobody wants to talk about those raw hurtful i mean the most terrible thing you can go through the loss of a sibling i mean in such a horrific manner nobody wants to talk about that so i have to tell you too i loved your book i thought it was such a courageous thing for you to do to share that because you have no clue who you're helping with just sharing your story and that's what i've realized too is i have people reach out to me like thank you for for talking about this i didn't know i was going through ptsd until i read your story or wow i didn't even know the coast guard did all those rescues and now i appreciate this whatever the case may be it's just it's really great to be able to help other people and i see you doing that a lot as well yeah and and you're absolutely right with that because with your story again you're never going to know just how many people you you touch and you reach with your story. I know I've shared your story with a lot of people telling them about some of the things that you've done and how your story has impacted me. And I, I really do encourage people, again, the book, The Hurricane Within, to go out and get a copy of that book because it is really incredibly powerful and does shed some light on 
some of the things that the Coast Guard does that, quite frankly, and I served in the military, I didn't know all of the things that the Coast Guard did. I had some vague ideas, but I, I didn't know the details. And especially from that first person perspective on how, not only what did you do, but how did that affect you as a person, right? And so you get to see that. And then you look around, you look around the country and you see the Coast Guard who's out there rescuing boaters and responding to natural disasters and all these other things that, that the Coast Guard does, right? And I'm, I'm sure I'm just scratching the surface with those, those couple of things. And it's such an integral part of our lives. And, and sometimes we don't even realize that you guys are even there, right? Yes, sir. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So definitely pick up a copy of the book because it will uh, definitely open your eyes and make you appreciate what we have uh, so much more. After getting out of the, the Coast Guard, so you were medically retired from the Coast Guard is what you said earlier. What was that transition like for you back into civilian life? Was it kind of an abrupt transition or, or did you have some time to dip your toes back in the civilian waters? <laughs> That's, I guess, uh, a mixed bag answer, if you will. I had uh, about a year or so through the medical uh, process, the medical retirement process. I was able to make a loose plan, if you will, kind of like about what I wanted to do. But honestly, when I signed that line, I really had anticipated serving 20 plus years. So this all kind of unfolded. But again, I trusted in God's plan. I knew that he was going to lead me where he wanted me to be. And um, if I'm being really raw and just honest with you, there was a point in time where I I was angry with God. I was kind of like, man, here I am just trying to live out a career that I wanted to be in. I'm trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus and really share his word. And, and here I am with a medical diagnosis. My career is ending, but I decided again to switch my perspective and say, wow, this is such a blessing. So I went on a road trip. I, I packed up my big fifth wheel in my truck and I went on a road trip and I sort of just kind of had it out a little bit with God, like, God, lead me. What is happening? What am I doing? And he did. He guided me. And I ended up staying in Montana for a little while where I met my now husband, Nate, who is also retired military. And it's just crazy how when you finally surrender, when you finally stop trying to do things your way, because we have an idea of what our life is supposed to look like, but sometimes God laughs at that and says, oh, huh, my child, I got something better for you. So just there was such beauty in that surrender, honestly, of just saying, you know what, I I'm giving it all to you. And the blessings that have come since then have been really, it gets me emotional to even think about because since then I've been able to publish my book. I've been to speaking engagements all over the country. I'm able to share my personal testimony and just spread positivity and love. And now I'm going to school full-time online to get my bachelor's in crisis counseling. So that way I can have another avenue to really have a more intimate personal connection with people that I'm trying to help. And life is good. I, I think it's just, it's beautiful to see how things progress. And, and when you think the future looks dark and God shows you that light and you're like, okay, you're right. You're right. I give it to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it does, it makes a huge difference when you do that. And, and, and even things like meeting your, your husband, things like that maybe wouldn't have taken place had you not gone on that trip and put your trust in God and what his plan was for you. You may not have even seen it when you packed up your things and headed out that way, but God knew what the, the roadmap was looking like, knew where you were going to be and, and knew that you were going to find the right person when you got there. Right. So, so true. All, of these, all, all of these things, some people might just chalk up to a coincidence, but I really believe that there is a plan in place and there is more to it than just, uh, dumb luck, right? Yes. Well, I think there's a saying, what is it? You're, 
what you believe in shows in what you're willing to risk or something along those lines. And I talk about in my book where God spoke to me and said, be still my child. I have things way bigger in store for you. I mean, could you imagine like the type of ridicule, ridicule, and sometimes people joke, oh yeah, you heard from God. But like that was two weeks prior to me flying in the biggest hurricane rescues of my life. Two weeks prior to that, when I was stressed out about something, I heard God say, be still my child. Like people can say that's coincidence all they want. But I mean, I know that was God speaking to me, just like when you felt that power in the shower, when you just know that's God speaking to you. And also truth be told, Scott, there's been times since um, I've gotten out where it's been tough. I go to a PTSD counselor um, still, even though I feel like I'm a, a, a lot better than I was even just two years ago or a year ago. I think it's very important to keep on top of that stuff. And I talk to a counselor and I take a lot of just natural supplements to help out with my nightmares and stuff. So things have been really, really great. And that's just a testament of just trusting in God's plan too. For people out there who might be hearing this and say, okay, well, it's been several years and you're still going to see a counselor, you know, what, what gives there? Like, is this even something that you, you should still be doing at this point? I was in Afghanistan about 12 years ago and I still go to a counselor as well. And it's one of those things, like you said, it's important to keep up on. And if you let it go and you let it just fall apart, then you're going to start to fall apart as well. And so I think it's important what you're doing, uh, seeing a counselor is absolutely appropriate for the types of things that you experience. Now, was Hurricane Harvey like the the first major kind of rescue operations that you actually took part in? Or were there others along the way as well? I would definitely say that was probably the the most major rescue, of course, because I don't know, we did somewhere, we rescued somewhere between 45 and 80 people. I truly don't even know the number, but so as far as like a numerical scale, that was probably the largest. But when I was stationed in Detroit, Michigan, I did did some pretty significant rescues up there with my crews. We rescued a kayaker who was trying to kayak from one side of Lake Michigan to the other. There was a, a gentleman and his son that were fishing in, right in front of the Niagara Falls and their boat stopped working. There's a ton of rescues on a smaller scale. The saving of a life, one life is an an epic mission success, in my opinion. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and all of those, while they may not be as significant in terms of the number of people that were rescued in any given day to those people who were rescued, they were still significant. If you weren't there, that would have been a total nightmare for them, you know, and, and possibly a life-threatening nightmare to them if if, uh, you guys didn't show up. So it was definitely significant. uh, Right. And, you know, we're a multi-mission agency. So as you mentioned earlier, I've gone on different TADs down to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, where we do drug interdictions, migrant operations. So I've had some pretty awesome situations as far as catching drug runners and different things like that that I really actually didn't touch on. I'm working on my second book where I feel like I have so much more to add that I didn't put in my first book. So... Hopefully I'll touch on a lot more of those situations in that one. Well, you've got my interest peaked talking about that because the Coast Guard is more than just the rescue side of things, right? They, yes. And they do that and they do a great job at it. And you, you hear about boaters who are in trouble and you hear about natural disasters types of things. But you're right. There's also quasi law enforcement side of things where you're doing drug enforcement and you're doing all that kind of stuff too, which ultimately helps keep everybody here at home safe by you know, preventing those drugs from getting onto the streets and, and everything like that. So um, it really is is one of those uh, Swiss army knives of agencies that, that kind of does, does a whole lot of things, right? 
Yeah, they take multi-mission agency to a whole nother level. We're, we're pretty much jack of all trades, master at none, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when you started writing your book and even the second book that you, you said that you're in the process of, did you discover the writing process to be therapeutic for you? Or, or was that partially the intention uh, of writing the book to begin with? Honestly, Scott, that was my only intention primarily is um, just a therapeutic way because I know we center point my initial trauma that we talk about a lot through Hurricane Harvey, but um, really there was a lot of things building on top of the iceberg, if you will, throughout my life. So I, after Hurricane Harvey and I realized that I was going through some mental health issues, I started with way back when I was younger and some things that I had dealt with. And I thought, well, I don't really feel comfortable verbalizing that to a person yet. So I thought, let me just start with me and myself and opening up my laptop and just typing it. And um, it sort of unfolded from there. And again, full transparency. I know I've mentioned this before, but I am not a writer at all. Thank God that I have some amazing friends in my life that really are good at writing and they help me fine tune my story a lot. But really, I just vomited up a rough draft of, of situations on my Word document. And my friend Katie and my friend Aaron and Savannah had a really core group of amazing friends that helped me flesh it out and really dial down the storyline that I was going through. But it was so therapeutic and I had no real intentions of publishing that for the world, especially just sharing my deepest, darkest secrets and, and experiences, but my best friend read it. And I think she was really the one that convinced me. She goes, Ashley, we've been best friends for almost 20 years and I'm finding out so much about you and you've inspired me. Think about what you could do to inspire the world. And that statement rang in, in my head for a while. And I just prayed about it. And I knew God was putting it on my heart to not only share my story, but to plant seeds of faith for those people that just needed to hear a relatable story and, and that there's inspiration and, and hope at the end of those traumas. I, I laughed when you said how you're not a writer and you had an incredible group of people who were helping you out because I feel like I felt in the same, fell in the same boat there. When I, when I was publishing the book, I thought to myself, I really hope none of my high school English teachers find out that I've written a book because they'll probably have a heart attack and die right there because I was a terrible English uh, student. So C's all day C's. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, that was, uh, that was definitely relatable. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> um, what you know what the beautiful thing is if it's meant to happen and if it's God's plan, it'll happen. And, and I right. thought there's no way that little old me from nowhere, Michigan, who joined the military is going to impact the world in any way. And it's just so beautiful to see that even just helping one person with my story, if that was all that happened, like I can sleep sound at night. It's really awesome. I'm grateful. And I feel like there are a lot of people who are in the same situation that you just described. Little old me from little nowhere whatever name the state wherever and i joined the military i did a bunch of things i got out okay well those bunch of things those are stories all of them and so i think that the the people out there who are not giving themselves enough credit and saying oh i i just did this or i just did that well you did a lot of things and you probably have some stories there that could impact other people. And, and you never know when the story that you share is going to impact somebody in a positive way that's going to help them through their dark times. So I encourage other people to share their story, whether it's coming on a podcast like this, writing a book, just 
getting up and, and talking to people, going on, doing some public speaking or, or think whatever it is, get out there and share your story because it, you never know when it helps people, right? It's so true. And, and who hasn't been through trauma in their life? Like not one human being on this planet is exempt from going through some sort of heartache. So why not all of us amplify our voices and our stories so that we can all collectively heal together and know that, wow, this person went through what I did. And throughout the Bible, so many ordinary people who were nobodies were used to do extraordinary things. And I keep reminding people when they come to me and they're like, oh no, I couldn't share my story. I didn't do much. And I go, oh no, you have such big purpose in your life. Do not downplay what you could potentially do to impact your community, your country, and your world with your story. Exactly. There's so much that can be learned from things that you may not even think of as being significant. But if, if you start telling the story, people would be like, wow, that's actually something that there's something to that. And it's inspiring. It's powerful. It's moving. Give it a shot anyways. And there's so many different ways of telling a story. I, I know artists who tell their story through their artwork. I have your art behind me <laughs> right here. I love that picture. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. I, I really appreciate that. But there's so many things that so many different ways that you can express yourself and tell your story. I had an artist on the podcast a while back and she was one of those types of people who were kind of closed off. She didn't really like to talk tell her story too much, but she started putting together her, her artwork, this uh, pottery and, and things like that, that she was making. And she put it on display at an art show and I people started that. talking about it. And that got her to start talking about her experiences and what motivated her to do those types of things. So there's so many different ways that you could do that That's exact so type of thing. Yeah, yes. exactly. I, I briefly mentioned public speaking is as one of those types of things, but that's something that you also do in addition to coming on podcasts like this one. What are the sort of things that you're talking about during these public speaking engagements that you get involved with? Sure. So I would have honestly never thought in a million years that I would be a public speaker. I am absolutely terrified still to this day to speak in front of people. But again, I just remind myself that there could be one person that needs to hear my story. So that's kind of my motivation. Primarily, I talk about my personal story. So I guess it depends on the audience and who's wanting me to speak, of course. But my typical generic speech that I do covers all the bases. So I talk about some of my hurricane rescues. I've got some video footage of the actual hurricane and our flight pattern through that. I talk about some raw scenarios about how I dealt with PTSD coming back from And then I also talk about how can we fix that or what's the remedy for that, right? Because we talk about the what, the why, and like, how do we go from those to actually defining healing? And so I talk about some different things as far as coping mechanisms and rewiring your brain. So for those people that have gone through addiction, that is just a neural pathway in your mind that you have the capability to rewire for a coping mechanism that is a positive one. So just different things that I really honestly didn't know myself. And I think that they have been in, in, uh, imperative for me and my healing. So I close off with just some takeaways and how to deal with anxiety and various things like that. So that's the meat and potatoes of what I talk about. And of course, different venues hire me. And if they ask me to focus a little more on a topic, then I can, of course, make my speech geared towards that. So that's the main thing though. Well, so I, I wanted to get you to talk about that a little bit, because I wanted to make sure that you had the opportunity to tell people not only about the book and where they can get the book, but also if anyone's looking to 
get an inspirational speaker, someone to come and talk to their organization or at an event or whatever the case may be, how they can get in touch with you and, and schedule some time with you so that, that you can uh, join them at their event. So would you be able to tell us all the places that people can go to find you and, and uh, get in touch with you? Sure, sure. Thank you for that. So right now, my website, ashleyleppert.com, it's A-S-H-L-E-E, Leppert, L-E-P-E-R-T.com. That's where people can go to not only order an autographed copy of my book, but there's also a little um, reach out to me spot where people can inquire about uh, speaking engagement. Also, if people just want to listen to my book, if they prefer that or the ebook, everything is found on Amazon. So if they search The Hurricane Within, we've got the hardcover, paperback, uh, audible, and all those options as well. So those are the avenues I have. And um, also on my Facebook, I have my Facebook page, The Hurricane Within. I put a lot of um, upcoming events and different things that I do on there. So if people go there, they can like that page and keep up to date with all the happenings. Excellent. And I will have links to all of this in the show notes. So anyone who is looking to get in touch with Ashley, to hire her as a speaker, to have, have her come out to your events, definitely reach out because I I think she has such an incredible story and the uh, takeaways that that she has to offer are are huge. And I think your organization or anyone who is out there who's listening will definitely benefit from not only hearing her speak, but also reading or or listening to her story uh, as well. So thank you again for uh, coming on, sharing your story and your background with us again, and talking a little bit more in depth about your experiences with PTSD and coping with some of the, the traumas that you've experienced and what it was like going through all of that and what you're still going through as well, because that's significant too. So thank you again. It's been a pleasure chatting with you again today. So thank you for joining me. Scott, thanks for having me. And thank you so much for giving me a platform to share my story. And I look forward, maybe we can do this yearly, maybe every 100 episodes I come on, huh? (laughs) I I think that sounds like a plan. We'll definitely uh, schedule in for some time this time next year, or even sooner, maybe. Sounds uh, great. Anytime. It's been a pleasure. And it's always a pleasure talking with you. (laughs) All right. Excellent. Thanks for listening to the Drive On Podcast. If you want to check out more episodes or learn more about the show, you can visit our website, driveonpodcast.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Drive On Podcast.